let down from the sugar of the donuts? What are you, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? Hey, I'm Charlie. If you're new, uh, I also like to welcome you, um, lead pastor here at the Grove, and we are uh, four weeks into a series on the Apostles' Creed. If you don't know what the Apostles' Creed is, essentially, a creed is kind of like this statement of faith, really, that uh, the church has been reciting, kind of unifying the church since at least uh, the fourth century, probably before that, uh, of just a statement that kind of unifies Christians. Like, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what we believe as Christians. And tens, uh, hundreds of millions of Christians all over the world will um, recite this today as a part of their worship service. And for the first couple of weeks, I was just reading it to you. And last week, I give you, gave you some fair warning. Last week, we recited it together. And it uh, didn't seem to run anybody off. It seemed like we were able to adjust to doing something Different, you know, if it's just that one time, but it wasn't just that one time. We're going to do it again today. And hey, I got to warn you, this is this is the Sunday to skip. Uh, most people, when they do it, they stand up and recite it together. Next week, that's what we're going to do. That makes you uncomfortable. That's weird, but we will do that. But let's um, let's recite this together, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I mean, the cool thing about that for me, again, is just this idea that, that on this Sunday, by reciting that, we're just, we really are, we're uniting ourselves with the church all around the world, with, with tens, uh, hundreds of millions of people um, all over the city, all over the U.S., again, all over the world, and it's a great symbol because I think it's important for us as, as a church to be unified in what we believe, that we know what makes a Christian a Christian. Sometimes I think we can get into a trap that basically being a part of this church or being a part of any church is just kind of about getting a spiritual boost. It's about maybe getting some practical tools for living. But really, it is also very important for us to add to kind of the, the, the spiritual boost that we get, the practical tips that... This unified idea about who God really is and what we believe and what kind of what provides the foundation for our faith. And so it's kind of, it's been a good series. We've got one more week starting next week. And this section today, uh, what we're talking about, is about the church. If I were to ask you, it's like when I say, what do you think about the church? Um, how, would you, how would you respond to that? Or if I were to say it a different way, it's like, what do you think about church people, right? I start to ask these questions, and, and what happens is, is we, we, we have some, some kind of an emotional response. I mean, you're in a church right now, right, and being asked that question by a pastor of a church, and I say, hey, what do you guys think of church? Like, oh, church, great, good, yeah, I love it, glad to be here. How about you? Like, yeah, okay. Great. But so you feel like you need to, to temper it a little bit. But the reality of it is, um, probably a lot of us here have some negative reaction. 
based on some particular church experience maybe that we had. You know, there's this idea out there, it's incredibly prevalent, you know, I, I half joke about it sometimes where it's like, if you invite somebody to come to church, they will say they won't come to church, I don't want to go because church is full of hypocrites, right? It's what they say and it's because it's true and they've got a story and I say this in our membership class, I say it to you now, I mean, people have stories of why church is full of hypocrites. Don't be somebody else's story. You know, and so there's this, there's this negative connotation that a lot of us have about the idea of church, and hopefully coming be, be a part here, hopefully you're working to overcome some of that, you know, and, I, and I'm with you. I mean, there's, there's been times I've said this. I've, I've said this as a pastor. It's like, man, that some, I mean, sometimes church people are the worst, right? They're just the worst. Like, everybody's mean a little bit, but church people, man, they, they can be mean and think they're doing God a favor, Right, man, I, God really laid this on my heart, I need to tell you. And then what they say is just mean. Like, like God told you to be mean? They, they say, oh, they, they, no, mm-mm. And so, you know, and, and I grew up in a church that, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it was, just, it was unhealthy for us in some ways. And I think too often what, what has happened, even to people who have made a decision, as all of you have, to say, I'm, I'm going to come to a church today that still there's this idea that the word church or the idea of church has, has some negativity attached to it. And our hope and prayer is that your time here at the Grove can be a healing time for that and we can, and we can reimagine, reconstruct in our head. Because the idea of what it is that God built, when Jesus said, I was talking to Peter, it's like on you, on this rock, on this confession that you've just made, on, 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 on this group, or this whole... It, I'm going to build my church on this. This thing that he built is beautiful. It is amazing. Jesus describes the primary metaphor that he uses to describe the church is as his bride. I mean, the church is incredibly precious to him. He, he loves the church, and it has the, this, this ability to... To, to change the world and to change individuals' lives. And when we say, I believe in God's church, it's not just something that we say that we think exists or something that we say that, 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 that I attend. I believe in it. I believe that it is God's primary tool for bringing hope and life to this world. And I, and I, and I believe in it. So the phrase, the phrases that we're looking at here in the thing, it's like, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Those two things together really kind of describe what we're talking about today when we talk about, I believe in the church. Because really, it, it, it's, it's kind of one thing, but it's two very different things, right? It's like, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And, I, and I, maybe I should have said this from the first week, but I just thought, hey, we're going to spend a whole week to talk about it. We'll just wait. Right, so you've been, we've been reading that together. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Anybody flinched a little bit? Like, well, I, well, I do, I don't, we're not Catholic, are we? I don't, I, don't do, I don't know if I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Well, I believe in it. I know it exists. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not naive. It exists, but I don't know if I, I, I believe in it. Okay, it's fine. Well, first of all, you need to be, don't, don't, Catholics are fine, right? Don't be all like that. But the second thing is, is, that, is, is that you understand that the word Catholic means, means universal, means universal. And so when you see kind of a small C Catholic, 
Um, it's talking about this idea of a universal church. Capital C Catholic is talking about that particular denomination. And so, so I believe in this kind of this universal, all of God's people together, the holy Catholic church. And I believe in the communion of saints. Communion meaning fellowship, connection, this kind of intimate connecting of saints, God's people. So I believe in this big picture, holy, universal Catholic church. And I also believe in the communion of saints, the, the gathering of smaller groups of God's people. And so in this creed, it's talking about two different things. And what this represents is two different things that the New Testament means when it talks about church. When it says church, there are two concepts of church. And I think it is important for us to make sure that we understand what these two different concepts of church are and then to, again, believe passionately in them. Not simply believe that they exist, but to believe in them. Right? And so there's two types of church, and let's wrap it this way. Two types of church, the universal church and the local church. The universal church, again, small c, Catholic. All of God's people everywhere. All Christians everywhere, all the time, and all of history, all of them are one thing, the bride of Christ. These are God's people. And it also talks about the local church, which is what this is a smaller group of a collection, a subset, if you will, of this larger church that meets on a regular basis, surrounded, you know, united by some statement of faith, united by some common mission, some uh, common interest, but essentially a smaller group, a local church. And so when you read in the New Testament, it talks about church. It kind of references one or both of these. Because again, there's, two, there's a couple of different words Greek words that are translated and that, that we describe as church. And one has the idea of being the called out ones. There's all these people and they're all sinners. And what God has done is he has called out some of them. He has saved them and called them out. And he has made them the called outs, the church. But then there's also this sense of gathering. This, it's, it's a gathering. It's a fellowship. And again, so he's talking about there's all the called out ones and then amongst all of them, there are these small local gatherings. And so, again, the Apostles' Creed references both of these things. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe that God has united all of us and called all of us. And I also believe in the communion of saints. I believe that it is important for us to gather together as smaller groups of, of people who follow Christ. And so there's two different ideas that, that the Bible talks about when it talks about church. It's talking about God's universal church, all of God's people, and individual local churches. And so it is important for us to make sure that we understand that distinction. And it is very important for us, I believe, too, to say that I understand that those two things exist, and I believe that they are both very, very important. Because if you were to say to just only believe in one of them, or say, like, I technically believe, I guess I believe that both of them, but really, I'm going to say that only one of them matters. If you live a life as a follower of Christ, connected in part to God's church, and you really only believe one of those things matters, if you really only think one of them truly exists, there will be a deficit in your walk with God. There will be a huge deficit, really, in you living out the purpose that God has called you to. And so what we're going to spend the rest of our time today is we're just going to kind of look at, hey, 
what would it look like? What would be the problem if you were to just say, I only believe or care about one of these things? So there's two types of church. The universal church, all of God's people, and the local church, these smaller gatherings like the Grove Church. And if you decide that you don't believe in the universal church or you don't care about that, without the universal church, you miss out on unity and mission. You miss out on unity and mission. God has called us as God's people to represent Him and His Son Jesus Christ to the world. He has called all of us to do this together. And He has said, again, I'm going to build my capital C, singular noun, church. And I want this group. He prayed. He prayed over and over and over again. And and you see this long prayer in the end of the book of John praying for unity. And he described it this way. and, and, And he said this to his followers. He says, listen, here's how people will know that you're my people by the way that you love each other. That will be a a marker, a sign. They'll know that you're with me. I love well, and they'll know you're one of mine if you love each other well. And so I ask you again, not by a show of hands or, or, or by anything verbal I want you to say, how you think we're doing in that regard. If it is our job, and if it is part of our duty to represent to those who do not follow Christ an overwhelming deep love for each other, and that's how they'll know how you think we're doing. Now here's the deal. Some of us think that we're doing, uh, applying this, this really well. If we decide, okay, here's who I, I love everybody in this room. There nobody in this room that's not making me mad. Well, maybe, maybe that one person, but that's okay. I, I, may say, I love everybody in this room. And maybe those who come to the first service. And, 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 and we're good in this room. And as long as somebody from the outside comes into this room, they will see in this room that everybody in this room likes each other. And if we like each other in this room, then we're applying this verse. Now, don't get me started on the people in the other rooms. There's people in like all sorts, dozens of other rooms all over Fayetteville and people are meeting and don't get me started on them and all the bad and the things and the way and the who and the how. And you think, and here's the thing you think, you got jokes, right? You've got jokes. And, 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 you're, and you're talking to somebody who's not a Christian and you're talking about how great your room is. And then you've got the jokes about the people in the other rooms. About how this other room, about how, 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 how stiff they are about how rigid they are, about how they waste money, about how lavish they are, about how they don't do things right. And you say in these clever, jokey ways that you think, is like, ha-ha, now we're on the same team because we both know that that room over there is not doing it right. And that will make you more want to come to my room because of the jokes about that room. And all you are doing is communicating to them that you are not someone who follows Jesus because when when God says that we should love each other he doesn't mean in this room and that well, this is why it is very important to me which which, which is why I, 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 I don't tolerate it I don't tolerate I don't we're not we're not we're not going to run down other churches 
Other churches in this area are incredible expressions of, of God's um, diversity and a, a vast uh, number of approaches by which all together, using a lot of different methods, we have the ability all together to reach a lot of different people. And we will not disparage. If you want a fancy word for that, that is called ecumenicalism, where we decide that we are going to be friends with other churches. Now, obviously, that has some limit to it. Not everything that calls itself a church is a church. Not every church that calls itself a church could read this Apostles' Creed and say that they genuinely believe it, that they genuinely believe in the uniqueness of Jesus and that His death on the cross and it being uniquely for you for the forgiveness of sins. There are some things that call themselves church that are not church. But amongst the things where we can all be unified about who Jesus is and who God is, it's time for us to stop being divided about differing approaches to ministry style, volume of music, style of music, dress of preacher, and, 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 and how you do or don't spend your money. It's time for us to stop that because God has called us to something which is unity. But in addition to, to, to unity, He's called us to, to this great mission. And, and a verse I want us to look at is in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Where John is kind of describing, he's, God has given them this vision, and he's seeing heaven, and he describes it this way in Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, Jesus. They, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So he's looking out, he's in heaven, and he sees this incredible worship service. And what he sees in this worship service is every type of person that ever has been. Every shade of color, every language, every tribe, every custom, everybody that ever has been. There is somebody from all of these groups there, all together, in one place, worshiping one God. Everything about them is different except for their love of God and their faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you think about what that picture would look like, it should be just a little chill bumpy that, 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 that this great diversity of people are coming together unified in proclaiming their love and devotion to one God. It is a beautiful picture of what heaven is going to look like. But here's the thing. We don't have to wait. We don't have to, we don't have to wait for this to happen some point in the future in heaven. In fact, God has called us right now to Revelation 7, 9, the whole world. He has called us to bring this about. This is our mission to take this, to not just simply be a, a church where we take care of each other in this room and then we decide, well, we'll be, get along with the people in the rooms next to us. It's like We need to take this into rooms all over the world to people very different than us, of all backgrounds, all languages, all tribes, everywhere. This is what God has called us to do. And if we just decide that all that matters is what happens in this room, then we miss out on this great mission that God has called us to. And I had the, an incredible privilege this week. My wife um, is on part-time staff with a group called the Center for Missions Mobilization, the CMM. 
Uh, it's an international group with about 100 staff or so, and um, they're all over the world. And this is, this is what they do. They, they, they believe, they mobilize, they are trying to get people excited about what God is doing around the world and trying to get people to go and Revelation 7, 9, the whole, the whole world. And it was great to be a part of that. And there are like five or six different families from our church that are on staff with this organization that we have the opportunity to support. And it was great to hear about what they're doing and the awesome work that, that God is doing through them all over the world. You can pray for Mark, who, who tonight is leaving to go to India and is going to serve and love some awesome people there. Again, five families who are a part of this church who are over there doing incredible things for God. And um, it, 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 is, it is an awesome opportunity that we have to be able to, to love and invest in people very different from us all over the world. I had a great opportunity last week to um, hang out with Casey and Mandy Morgan, who have been a part of our church forever. They live in Malaysia, and they just recently started a ministry that is there to encourage and uplift people who are in the mission field all over the world. And we have this great privilege here in this church to not just simply take care of each other, but to love and support people all over the world, doing all sorts of incredible things. And if we decide that all that we care about is my one little church, and we have this really small, narrow vision, it's just overwhelmingly selfish. I mean, the only people that really matter, right, are the people who are in this room. Because these are the people in the room that are doing things for me. These are the people here who are watching my kids and making the coffee for me. And so what, is, what are the people across town, what do, they, what do they matter? They're not helping me. What are those people all over there, what are they doing, what are they doing for me? When we decide that what that only matters here, we lose sight on this vision of unity that God has called us to and this big picture mission that God has called us to. So without the universal church, without a deep passionate love for that, we miss out on the unity and mission that God has called us to. But if we decide that the only thing that matters is that, that big picture, and that the local church doesn't matter, without the local church, we miss out on community and connection. We miss out on community and connection if we don't have these smaller gatherings. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So he's talking to this group of, of Christians. He's like, Here, here's part of your mission is that you need to live your life in such a way where you are thinking about how you can do good things for other people and how you can be so involved in someone's life and help them to the point where they can do good things. You're doing good things. You're encouraging people to do good things. And you can't do this if you don't meet together. You have to meet together. Some of you aren't. Some people are in the habit that they don't feel like it's important to get together. He says, that's ridiculous. How can you encourage other people by yourself? It does not make sense. This is your, this is your job, to encourage and help each other. You cannot do that alone. And this is overwhelming important. You have to encourage them, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
He's talking about as, as the end of the world gets closer. So the idea there, the worse the world gets, the more we need this. This is your job, and you cannot do that by yourself. And I know this is, this is a difficult thing to say. It's, it's pointless, not pointless, but a little bit, to say, hey, it's important to go to church to people like at church, right? Hey, it's important you come to church. You're like, I, I mean, I get all the points, but I got that point. I'm here today. I win, right? So, but here's the thing that people say, and maybe you have said this at some season of your life, or maybe you still say it a little bit now, and it, and it, and it justifies somewhere in your mind kind of limited connection at this church or at another church. Because people will say this, and it sound, you can make it sound real spiritual. Well, you know, I mean, I understand why some people need the church. But for me, the Holy Spirit and the Bible being out there in nature, that's enough for me. That's, that's enough. God, God is enough for me. Just me and, me, and the, me and the Word, me and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that sounds, that sounds real spiritual. And, and, and you know who disagrees with you on that? The creator of the universe. He says, well, that's all I need. Isn't God enough? Well, let me, let me tell you a story. You may have heard of it. It's about a guy named Adam who lived in a sinless world, which you don't live in, had a perfect relationship with God, which you do not have. And God looked at him by himself and said, this is not good. It's not good. This isn't good. It is not good that he's alone. It has never been good to be alone. It is not good enough for you to be able to, you and God and your sp- the Spirit and nature. It was, it, it's not. If you think that, you are wrong. You need each other. The creator of you said so. But let's say even, let's just say, you can say it, I won't say it. Let's say you say that God's wrong that you're smarter and that you're, maybe, maybe you know a little bit better, that you don't need that. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that. Even if it's true that all you need is a Bible, the Holy Spirit, and nature, that's selfish. Is that the purpose? Is that your purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ? I just have to make sure I get everything that I need. That's it. If you've got this awesome relationship with God to the point where you need no help from anyone in the world, you know who, what we need? We need your help. But again, uh, your selfishness proves you wrong. God also says it's wrong. And what we need desperately is each other. I, I, I need connection with other people. I need your encouragement. I need your friendship. I, I don't know if you've been out here on the, on the wall. Uh, we're reciting the Apostles' Creed that our kids, our grow kids, they're, they're memorizing it. And it is so awesome to see my, 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 my seven-year-old. She's practicing. She's trying to get one of the gold stars, which means she's memorized the whole thing. And um, there's motions that go with it, and she's learning motions, including at some point where you say the living and the dead, she just falls out dead, which that's pretty cute. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't teach her the Apostles' Creed. She comes home singing worship songs. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not teaching her those songs. 
It's other people that are investing in her. Our, our middle daughter, uh, Lauren, she just graduated from high school. She's in Memphis this weekend with Mallory Miller, who was her mentor when she was in um, our, the youth group here. They've got this great friendship, and she's investing in her. It's awesome. You guys are investing in our family. We're trying to invest in yours. We're doing this for each other, loving and encouraging each other. That is what God has called us to do. You need to take what God has given you and encourage somebody else with it, and you need to be around other people because you need the encouragement. This is what God has called us to. And it is short-sighted and selfish to say that I'm going to live my life any other way. And so again, while all of us are here, and I'm not trying to shame you into becoming some, you got to be here every Sunday or get a note or send a picture from that you're out of town or anything like that. I mean, I, I grew up like that. I don't, we, don't, we don't need any of that. But I think even if we say I'm here today, I still think there are parts of us that still justify kind of hanging out on the fringes because we think that we don't really need it, we don't really value it, when, when really the reality is you desperately need it. And God has placed something in your life, a gift, a talent, a passion that we desperately need. So I encourage you not just simply to come and be a part, but to get deeply connected. We're going to talk about this more in depth this fall when we launch our small groups back and have our big fall kickoff. We're going to spend some time in the book of Acts talking just a little, a little deeper about what it is that God has called us to do and be as a church. But we can go ahead. We can beat the fall rush and make a decision right now that I'm going to just take another step of connection. I'm going to go ahead and make a commitment. I'm going to get into a small group. I'm going to find a place to serve. I'm not just going to come on Sunday and, and let things happen to me. I'm going to do something. I'm going to reconsider the way that I give. Because I want, to, I want to be a part of this Revelation 7-9 idea. I, I talked about like 12, 15 different families from our church doing incredible things all over the world. You give to the church, it goes all over the world. You are bringing Revelation 7-9 into existence. We are encouraging and helping each other and taking this everywhere. And your giving helps that. Your connection helps that. Your service helps that. So it's one thing to, to read the Apostles' Creed and to say, yes, I believe that. It is another thing that I think that God is wanting to do in our hearts and minds and our souls today is to say, I, I don't only believe that, I believe in that. The local church is a beautiful thing that God has created. This universal church that God has put together, it's beautiful, it is amazing. It is His primary tool to change the world. And we have an opportunity to be a part of that, to bring hope everywhere. So as we reflect and, and have some time of worship, we have our response in the back. The prayer team would love to pray with you if you need that. There's prayer candles and communion and um, there's a cross, lots of different things. Opportunity to give with the buckets. Lots of ways. But let's just ask God to deepen in us, not just simply our belief, yeah, I know about church, but I believe in the church and its mission, and I want God to make me a part of that. Let's pray.
God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you that you describe us as your bride. God, that you love us that way. And God, I pray that we would love each other the way that you love us. And God, that we would take that love to every tribe, tongue, nation, people, and the whole world. And that, God, that that would start right here today with each one of us making a commitment to say, I will do and be who I need to be in this local church so that, God, that you can build your church all over the world. And again, we thank you for your son Jesus who makes this possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.